says, get that India, big boy. G'day ladies and gentlemen, we're back for another episode of The Tip Sheet. Uh, as always, I'm 4020, also known as John, and joining me is my number one offsider, 60s. Mate, good to have you back for another episode. Yes, mate, still above ground, still walking around. Yeah, still, and, still and kicking. A, and with a smile on my face after a trial. Yeah, well, we, we are recording in the immediate wake of the first NRL trial of the preseason for the Panamata Eels, where the Eels ventured out to Cogra to play the St. George Illawarra Dragons, and they were triumphant for a scoreline of 28-6. to six. So there's plenty to, plenty to digest from that game, excuse me as I stumble over my words. Yeah, plenty to get into from this game. So let's take it from the top, because Eels were five tries to one winners after conceding the opening try in an opportunistic manner for the Dragons. And I think they played just a, in, in terms of, there goes my puppy, sorry, in, in terms of a a first NRL, I mean, it was, it was slated as an NRL trial, but a first preseason trial, the, the quality of play was outstanding from the Parramatta Eels. Yeah, I think they were playing a game where it was controlled footy first and then as they gained a bit of ascendancy through the middle, that's when they started to become a bit more expansive. And that looked like the the uh, plan from the off from the outset and it worked to treat, you'd have to say. Yeah, I was really pleased. I imagine that Brad Arthur and Ryan Carr will be very happy with the result um, as, as much as the process. It was, um, you know, their tries came on the back of working really hard. And I think the commentators mentioned that there was a, a very lopsided six again rate of 14 to nil, which is kind of mind boggling. But in saying that, as much as Dragons fans will complain that the Parramatta Eels uh, could not have been that disciplined, I'm sure there could have been some six agains issued to the Dragons, in all fairness. Um, the flip side of that is that I think the Dragons probably could have been sin binned a couple of times if it wasn't a trial. Yeah. And of course, the other thing is, too, there was a period, a couple of periods there where they, the Parramatta seemed to get three or four six agains, one on top of the other. Yeah, so which, they were basically coming on the first tackle. That's right, which would usually uh, result in either a warning or a sim bidding. But I think given the nature of the game as a trial, the referees didn't want to cause that sort of imbalance in the, the contest. Well, I'm sure if it wasn't a trial, there would have been a caution that would have been issued. The game would have been held up a bit. So in the context of the game, they were just continuing to issue those six agains. And as I said, there was a whole chunk of them that were issued on the first tackle. There wasn't what you'd call a massive advantage. I mean, it's far more of an advantage if you get the six again on a fifth tackle. And uh, it's probably no different to getting four or five of them on the first tackle. So, um, yeah, certainly it was lopsided there. And you'd have to say that there was a bit of ill-discipline that was obvious from the Dragons around the ruck. And... I guess given the nature of the trial where you have a number of players who are inexperienced in the top grade, I don't think it's any surprise that you're going to get a team that's going to maybe give away some, you know, far too many penalties. And that, like that's that. why the performance of the Eels was so encouraging because it was not a vastly experienced roster they fielded. There were certainly some NRL prospects and, you know, uh, potential first graders in that lineup. But given the amount of rookies and, and young talent that took part, they played so far above their sort of, not pay grade, but experience scale. 
Yeah. What I saw on the field, if we're just going to talk about the game as a whole to start off with, was very much what's been happening at training. So the players that started the game were all part of the pre-season, with the exception, really, of Makahesi uh, uh, Makafoa. He was he was probably had the least time in pre-season. He had, he's had a little bit of pre-season just towards the end. But uh, apart from that, the rest of the boys were used to uh, playing as a, as a unit or at least in some combinations. So I think it reflected the way they've been training. Um, there's been some really good opposed sessions at Eels training, which I've been writing about. And I think we saw evidence of that that slick training that they've been doing when it came to the game and, and the really disciplined football. And let's and I know we're going to get into individual performances, but I thought that especially in the first half and then and then uh, Rankin continued in, in the second half, but in the first half was there was good control from both um, young Jacob Arthur and Will Smith that kept that control happening and uh, really laid the platform for the overall performance. Yeah, I don't think you can execute a game plan like the Eels went out there tonight to do without you know steady leadership from your halves. And as you said, Will Smith and Jacob Arthur were very tidy in the first half and, and more than tidy. Uh, Will Smith scored one and laid on a try while um, Jake ended up setting up a try in the second half. And then you saw Jordan Rankin being handed the keys to the team uh, for the majority of the second half, and he was very good. He was um like really, really pleasing. Yeah, and we'll get into some of these performances after, um, after we finish wrapping up the match as a whole. I think uh, what was good watching that, getting back to what I said before about making sure that they'd won the middle of the field. And let's face it, right at the start, it looked like St. George had a little bit of ascendancy through they the middle. They did, yeah. And the Parramatta just kept working away, working away. And then it was like, as soon as that op- the opportunity started to be seen, we saw a bit more expansive football. We saw them hitting the edges a little bit more. And, um, it, yeah, it was... You'd have to say they were probably following the uh, game plan to a T. So um, just to wrap the game quickly in terms of the numbers, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Parramatta Eagles 28 defeated the St. George Laura Dragons 6. Uh, try scorer for the Dragons was one of the Fear Guy twins. Was it Matt or Max? Sorry, I'm just trying to try and find it. But uh, for the, It was one of them. Yeah, because there was one on the left and one on the right. One, the one made the initial break off the Penasini error, and then they spun it to the right to get it to the other one to score. Um, but for the Eels, Tom Opacic opened the scoring for them. Uh, that was set up by Will Smith, followed by Will Smith scoring himself. Then you saw Will Penasini, Oregon Kafusi, and Solomon Noduki score in the second half. Jordan Rankin missed the first conversion but hit all other five. So he ended up with the day from five from six off the kicking tee, which takes us to that 28 to six scoreline. All right, mate, let's, um, let's start getting into the individual uh, breakdowns. Um, you want to start off the forwards? Yeah, I think it goes without saying that Papa Lee was outstanding in hit the first half well, tonight. He, he had the pressure on him because he got the big hype article today talking about his um, powerlifting career and how he's going to you know be explosive for the Eels, and he backed it up. He was very good. Yeah, and he was there playing on an edge. He has, he has been training in the middle, but he was there playing on an edge, and 
he really emphasised his versatility yeah. in that performance tonight because we know he can play in the middle. As I've been reporting on at training, he's been running great lines through uh, through centre field. And now tonight, all the fans got to see the impact that he can have hitting that edge. And look, I just thought he was outstanding. I've said it before in the reports about how good he's been performing at training. He carried it through into tonight's trial. I don't understand how the Warriors let him go. I really don't because everything that I've seen from him has been pointing towards someone who's going to prove to be a very good recruit for the Eels. Um, he gets my marks as the player to watch coming out of tonight's game. Well, it was a sort of stage where if you're going to be an NRL player tonight, you want to go out there and dominate. And that's what he did on both sides of the ball. It wasn't just explosive ball carrying, but it was very strong defense. He buckled over a couple of Dragons forwards um, throughout the game. And I don't think he, if he missed the tackle, would have been followed up immediately by covering the play and making the tackle. Um, he was just really consistent throughout that first half um, and, and was very encouraging. And, you know, you had him sort of penciled in on the bench already. And, you know, barring injury, I don't think anything's going to stop him from being one of the first picked on the bench for the Eels in round one. I think it's obvious that he's going to be uh, selected in the round one team. And I think the interesting selection now becomes Oregon Kafusi. Yes, and that, that is a great segue because the big O, the gun, um, Mr. Kafusi, he made a pretty good game himself, didn't he? I, look, he has been building up towards this on in the preseason. Yeah, for those that have been following 60s training reports, he, he sort of exploded last week, didn't he, mate? He's probably the last probably the last three to four weeks. He he's like he'd had a really quite a good preseason anyway, up to that point. But he's had a couple of sessions where he's probably gone close to being the best middle forward out there. And one where he absolutely owned the session and was leaving a trail of destruction around him. And I think people saw tonight the power in his carries. And I don't think that could have been better exemplified than the try that he scored running off Jake Arthur, where he his power in the run had him flipping over the top of the first defender, then getting up and off the ground to charge through the last two defenders to plant the ball. So I, I think he's probably, given the injury to Cartwright, he might just have penciled his name in for a round one bench spot. Yeah, that try he scored off uh, the Jake Arthur outside-inside pass, uh, or the outside-inside shape rather than the outside-inside pass, sorry, um, just was a, a display of brute force and athleticism. He sort of trucked that first defender and then got to his feet really quickly to get over and plant the try. Um, that was very encouraging. It wasn't just that. Throughout the entire game, I thought he ran strongly. It was a, a real handful for the the ruck defenders, the interior defenders for the Dragons to bring down. Who else caught your eye in the in the forwards, mate? Um, so from the starting forwards, um, I thought you mentioned him getting a sort of late start in the preseason, but we saw him last year, and I thought Makahesi Makatoa was very busy. Uh, wasn't always, you know, the highest impact, but he kept himself heavily involved in the game. That's encouraging to see. It was hard to miss him because he had that the, the sort of Mike Acevo-esque Mocachino haircut, which is always funny to see. Um, but it was good to have him back on board. Yeah, the other player that I want to sort of put a circle around in, in the texture is Dave Hollis because he had an interesting game. 
Um, I, I thought you'll probably have more thoughts on this yourself, but I thought if you look at the sort of the raw numbers, if you ever have a chance, I don't know if you have a chance to see him, but I imagine if you saw, if they were there, they wouldn't be the gaudiest. Like he wouldn't have been explosive or you know gone for like 150 plus meters. But he sort of had a, a game in the first half where he was busy without being uh, explosive. Then in the second half, he sort of just found another gear and started to make a bit of a difference in the ruck. I, I can only imagine that that's the sort of play that comes from someone who didn't get too much game time last year with the COVID Yes, that's break. true. He, he missed the entire year, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So he got some... He got a bit of game time in the uh, under-20s competition that was the local one that was cobbled together late in the season. But he was outside the NRL bubble. Yeah, that's right. So even though he did the the last year's pre-season, he wasn't in the bubble. He was finishing his apprenticeship, I believe. So he was playing in the weekend competition uh, out that was... uh, Put up, uh, set set up for the local comp, local comp. I think they had some Penrith teams and Parramatta teams that were involved in that. So, yeah, I I agree entirely with what you had to say, mate. Because it was like he warmed into the game. So his work rate was really really good in the first half, and then in the second half, what you started to see from him was his carries started to bend the line. And I think and- it's also the attention to detail, the little things. There was one moment in the second half where. We were attacking on the red zone, and he got a crash ball, and it was a tough one to bring in, and he had every right to drop it, but he managed to pin it up above his head, and, and he had three guys on him trying to dislodge it, and he managed to hold onto it. And that, that sort of stuff isn't lost on me for a young guy, but you know we, we see in the game, like we saw Josh Torpolotto had a, a concentration drop at fullback. For a young kid, it's easy to have that little moment where you switch off for a second and make the mistake, but you know he kept his head on him and held onto the ball and gave the Eels a chance to attack the goal line as a result. Yeah, look, I think it's fair to say that there was a lot to like about our pack as a whole. Um, we had, we had look, Keegan Hipgrave only got limited minutes just at the start. And I think that's a, a reflection of, um, he's, he's done a little bit of rehab in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's probably just um, warming back into the game. And it gave the so, coaching staff a chance to get an extended look at some of the young guys, which wouldn't have been a bad thing either. Yeah, yeah. And look, I should say that I don't mention any sort of rehab time that people do in the preseason, simply because people are in and out of rehab all through a preseason. Yeah, you, just get, like, you get nicks and banged up in various degrees. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same as the season proper. It, there'd be, sometimes people could come down to training, it, you could see three quarters of the team wearing an, an orange singlet yeah. saying no no heavy contact uh, because of niggles. Or sometimes there's players who will do rehab through the week and then they'll join the team on a captain's run. And, they, and they'll come out in the match and have a blinder. It was simply that they need a bit of attention to uh, niggles or whatever and there's no point in banging them up in a pre-season. So um, that's why that's I never it. mentioned the people who are in and out of... Um, in and out of rehab during the preseason. It's just the time where they want to make sure that they get people in the best possible condition for the season ahead. So the, um, the last player we should probably mention the Ford pack is the number nine, Joey Lusick, who I play, I think played the entire game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they're, they're leveraging I for big minutes. Right. Look, he's very he's a very fit individual, and people would have seen there tonight that he has the point of difference to read Marnie and that he's 
more inclined to take those opportunities running out of dummy half. Reed Reed will have a crack out of dummy half, but it's it's more a case of someone like Lusick will have a crack a lot more often. Yeah, and I think that his service is a bit slower than Reed's, but that's where Reed probably excels across the entire NRL, to be honest. He's got a good pass on him. But, uh, it, I mean, it's cause for hope in terms of if something happens to Reed, you've got a guy that can sort of plug and play, and that's not even considering someone like Nathaniel Roach who's been a preseason standout. Well, absolutely. And that's, that's an important point that you make because last year there were genuine fears of what do we do if Reed Martin Yeah, we, we saw Ray Stone being you know, converted on the fly to dummy half, and to his credit, he made a real good fist of it, um, if, you, if you sort of pardon the times where he actually broke his fist. Um, poor Ray Stone, whose um, injury streak has not been great for him. But um, yeah, this is the Eels are in a much better position this year when it comes to dummy half depth. And I mean, the commentators made reference to to Joey Lussick challenging Reed for the actual starting role, which I don't think is um, that that close to what they were trying to suggest. But having depth in that position is so encouraging because uh, if you lose someone in that spot, just the team can fall apart. And what you have now is that behind uh, Reed Marnie, you've got two players with top-grade experience who yep. are genuine dummy halves and who can step in. And you, you never know, Brad Arthur might decide he's going to use either Joey Lusick or Nathaniel Roach on the bench. Yeah, very real possibility on a, on a horses-for-courses approach or even on an overall approach. You know, someone like Roach, who we know can play more than dummy half. He's played in the halves and centres and maybe even lock in his um, career. Um, when injuries haven't dogged him down, he's, he's a highly talented utility player. Yeah, absolutely. And can I also mention, uh, look, you've mentioned about Makahesi Makatoa, and we um, he was, look, I think he is going, he's a on a second-tier contract with the Eels, and I think he's going to offer good value for uh, the team in, in reserve grade, especially yeah. when you're, you're likely to have a lot of young players that are playing Canterbury Cup. So you need someone who's a bit older, uh, a bit of a hard head. And he he looked after head. Jake Garfer last year when we played South Sydney yeah. at, um, at, at Ringrose in a preseason trial and the very limited football we got to see in reserve grade. And um, it, there was a point made to us by a, by a EEL staff member at the time that Makatoa is just a very seasoned campaigner and he, he is very good at taking care of the younger guys in the team. And that's why yeah. I think his presence is going to be very important for the Eels in the Canterbury Cup in 2021. Yeah, and I also want to give a bit of a shout-out to a couple of the young players, uh, Sharbel Tassapali, who I'm going to flag him now in for what I'm going to write up soon, but I've got him down as my most improved of the preseason um, in the uh, training. And I thought he did a very good job when he came on. He's um, he's got enough pace that he's he, he could, in a pinch, fill in at centre. He's filled in at centre in training at different times, but he's an edge forward, and he's in that same sort of age bracket as Dylan Brown. I think he's um, they were in the same team coming through with the um, yeah Dylan Dylan played up pretty much every grade that he was part of, but he did play a yeah. lot with Charbel. Um, I yeah. think that he is one year younger than Charbel. I could yeah, be wrong probably, about this. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right there. I think, um, 
from memory was because they're both they're both part of the national championship team in the 16s um, yeah and then the sg ball winning team um, and the team that yeah. played in the, the Holden Cup Grand Final too. So, but I think that yeah, I think Charbel's eligible for flag this year with the bump to twenty ones, right? Yeah, yeah. So I thought he had quite a good game, and I believe he's had an absolutely outstanding preseason. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning and, that he came back into the preseason not fully fit because he was coming off an injury. So he's just he's taken every measure to put himself in this position now to succeed. So full credit to him. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a nasty injury that he was coming off at the. Um, the hip injury. Well, it's um, the it's the uh, uh, the West Tigers bloke, uh, the the Chris Lawrence injury, isn't it? A dislocated yeah. hip. They're absolutely brutal on your athleticism, and oftentimes they can be career ending. So you know, to come back the way he has is you know not just encouraging as a fan, but he must be so proud of himself, you know, as an individual. Yeah, yeah, and also want to give a bit of a nod to Caleb Toey because the he's probably been the less heralded of the young players that have done the preseason. Yeah. And um, he really proved a handful for the Dragons tonight. He's, uh, because he's so low to the ground, he was a very difficult yeah, customer explo- to Yeah, explosive and stocky, isn't he? Um, yeah. it's, it's not like he's tiny. He's just like like he's just built a little bit smaller, um, you know, the way Nathan Brown and, and company sort of are. Um, and, yeah, I've spoken to you before, but, you know, sometimes there's gamers and sometimes there's trainers, isn't there? There's guys that excel at training and, and can also perform on the field. And there's guys that, you know, don't always dominate at training, but you give them a chance on the field and they can really shine. And um, that might be Caleb at the moment. And that, that could just be a function of him being young and, you know, not ready for a not, – not so much ready, but not fully comprehending what entails a, a full-time preseason. And the next time he does one, he'll be better equipped for it. But um, to see him come out into the field today and just dominate in defense and, and prove such a handful of the ball in hand – um, that was really good, and that that was something that we'd seen from him in not just the NRL Schoolboys Cup, but in the SG Ball in um, seasons past. Yeah, and the other thing too is we've got players like himself um, and uh, all the collection of the backs that we're going to mention in a moment, the young ones who were playing high school football last year. That that can't be lost. And, and when when we say last year, we mean like November last year, like uh, yeah. October, November, they were they went from NRL, uh, sorry, from the NRL Schoolboy Cup, which is you know just literally high school football, into a full preseason, into an NRL trial. Yeah, yeah. So the we're not saying that these young young fellas are going to be playing NRL this season. We're not even not even going to go so far as to say they'll play NRL necessarily next season. But it's evidence that there's some young players coming through who are going to be very good footballers for Parramatta in whatever grade that they're playing during this year, and then we'll just see what the future holds for them. Yep. So um, uh, now on to the backs, mate. Yeah, let's take let's a swing go. around the back line. So let's get the bad news out of the way. Uh, early in the game, Michael Oldfield did leave the field. Um, I think NRL Physio has projected that it's a suspected MCL injury for his knee. Um, so the timeline on that, depending on grading, can be anywhere from three to eight weeks. Um, and if it's that's if it's a strictly MCL um, and not any other you know uh, other damage done to PCL, ACL, or um, the patella tendon or anything like that. So that's a, a real bummer for Michael um, as he competes for a spot in the back line. But so we wish him a speedy recovery. I suppose it was diagnosed pretty quickly, wasn't it? We saw 
we saw Pistol come onto the field and have a have a look at his knee and just signal straight away that he was gone. Yeah. So um, I mean, the, the, and I think Oldfield knew himself. Yeah. So it, we hope it's not an ACL because that's obviously season ending or close enough. Um, you know, if it's an MCL, maybe it's a lower low grade strain and he can get back soon. Uh, the silver lining in this for the Eels, not for Michael, is that there was a number of um, stars in the back line today that will, you know, sort of take his injury as an opportunity to jump up the queue. But, um, yeah, you know, as fans, we wish Michael a speedy recovery and hope that the damage isn't too severe. Yeah, yeah. So um, who's your players to watch out of the back line from tonight's trauma? Well, we, we sort of, in the same sort of... um air that we'll talk about is Papalihi in terms of coming into this game with the burden of expectation to perform. I think that Hayes Dunster's built up a bit of hype in the preseason. And, you know, if he came in tonight and sort of was sluggish and dropped the ball and, you know, didn't really come in and, and own the game, there was a good chance that he'd fall right out of the conversation to be in the mix for first grade. But instead, he came in today and just owned the job. He just, you know, diffused kicks, ran strong, had a nice line break, uh, defended well card the ball up as you want from a, a big outside back and you know just it, it wasn't you know on the on the try scorer sheet or anything like that but it was everything you wanted to see from a young winger looking to put himself in the conversation for first grade selection and really that's what you want you want a, a player who looks like he owns the position knows what he's doing knows his role and is confident in his role and that's pretty much what I think we saw tonight someone who's con- who's confident in his position out on the yep. field. So uh, I don't think we could ask for more from him there. The, uh, so if we if we start with outside backs like that, what was what was your take on our, the centres tonight? Well, all, all pre-season, the talk has been that Tom Opachik's probably the favourite for the vacant left centre position. And I think that tonight he just did his job. Scored a nice try. So, uh, I mean, Will Smith had a fantastic lead-up in the play, but Opachik ran a nice uh, in-line Rhonda's line and, and broke through the line of the score. So he, he did his job, and that's pretty much what he was brought the Parramatta to do, right? He's a guy who's going to be plugged into the back line as a sort of glue, uh, you know, hold the back line together sort of player. Um, good defensive reader of the game, um, you know, and maybe not the most dynamic attacker, but a guy that will, you know, maximize his opportunities if you put him into open field. And that's what he did tonight on the. Yeah. Sorry, and you're you, you going to say about Tom? Well, what I was going to say is I've mentioned before through the training reports that what he looks like at training is an experienced centre. He looks like a player... And that's that's really, despite the, I mean, the big knock on him is injuries, but, you know, in terms of, I think his career trajectory was always touted as an intelligent defender. And like you said, that sort of adds up, doesn't it, in terms of looking like an experienced operator out in the edges. That's And that's that's the thing is, he may not be the strike centre like uh, Jenko. Trying to recruit a, tri- a strike centre like that, where well, you can see why there are clubs that are chasing, including us, that are chasing Katoni Stags. Yeah, genuine or, difference makers. But Yeah, you know. yeah ma- match-winning difference makers. Then you have the players that are professionals, that are... that the difference between their best and their worst football is minimal. Mm-hmm. They, they know the role that they have to play. They execute it well. And I think he is going to be one of those players. I've said it during the preseason that, as I said, he looks like an experienced in it. That's 
he doesn't look like someone that's like a project player or someone that, oh, we've got to work on this or got to work on that. And it's not to say they're not going to work on aspects of his game with him, but he comes into the team and I think he's just, he is going to play his role nicely. Good reader in defence and we saw tonight knows his way to the try line. And I don't know that you necessarily uh, are going to be, uh, have he's, he's not going to have people maybe jump to their feet when the ball comes into his hands out on the field, but I don't think he's going to disappoint people this year. And given, I think, that the Eels would have played a fairly modest salary for him, he's in a position to succeed, you know, and be a, a, a noteworthy performer in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And um, out on the other side... Yeah, yeah, so if you talk about the glue on one side, you've got the gun on the other. And um, this is a player that the Eels have been trying to keep a lid on throughout the preseason. But um, we've had at various times the captain, Quinton Gufferson, and uh, one of the assistant coaches, Dave Kibwell, speak to the, the media in some capacity, putting some hype on him. Um, we first real look for for non followers of the junior reps at Will Penasini, and he um he delivered, didn't he, mate? He did. I think what you saw tonight was the fact that he can deliver explosive moments. Yeah, and the one was there in the try, and there was another where he he took off for a, a dart down from the dummy half. Yeah, got out. Put himself- he into got, the open. He got out of there very quick and looked like he was playing a step faster than the blokes around him. That's right. So, um, of course, the the fact remains that he is a very young centre. So we temper all of that excitement with the fact that there's a bit to learn in um, in positional play and, um, and and reading the game. But you'd have to say, and this is going to be my call, that out of the young players in the team, he'll be he's my tip to be the first to debut, whether that's this year or next year. But out of the young crop of players coming through, he's my tip to be the first to uh, get an NRL debut. It's a smart money, I think. Um, you know, the Eels obviously got a, a gap at centre. That's why they recruited Tom Opachuk and Michael Oldfield. Um, you know, if injury strikes, as it already has with Michael in that case, um, you know, the Eels need to turn to someone and... Uh, Maybe they go for a back rower to plug a gap for one or two games, but if it's longer than that, um, they might look at someone like Will Penasini, um, especially if he continues his strong form from the preseason into the Jersey Fleet and Canterbury Cup. Yeah. Now, another young player, just to get your thoughts on, Sean Russell. How do you think he performed tonight? Yeah, limited opportunities in attack, but I thought he positioned himself very neatly at the back to clean up a lot of the clearing kicks, um, which you always like to see, return the ball all right. Um, you know, nothing outstanding in that in that regard. And I think he sort of played throughout the period where the Dragons were probably their most controlled and sort of had themselves established in the arm wrestle, which meant that the Eels couldn't really put on any plays because we know that Sean Russell's got a bit of ball playing in him. Um, and we've seen that in the ju- in the junior reps in the jersey flag. So it's, yeah. a sh- it's a shame that that wasn't put on showcase today. But, um, you know, given what was there, I just think he did his job. And that's an important thing is that you can't always be the star of a game. So when you can't, Go and do your job. And that's what he did. Yeah, And I hope there's people that don't overly um, read too much into his play tonight one way or the other, because uh, what we needed to see from him is, well, this is my interpretation anyway. I, because he's in such a crucial role at fullback, I wanted to see that he was, he made, uh, you know, he read the play well, 
caught the ball, um, carried it, and um, and basically didn't look overawed in uh, in a pressure in a position. Exactly, because it's one of the most single important positions on the field. Yeah. You're the custodian yeah. of the team. You have to clear up all the kicks. You know, you're you're the guy that's marshalling the defensive line, and you know you've got to put yourself around the ball at all times. And you know yeah. he, he did that in in a, in a period where the Eels weren't exactly fluent. No, not so much fluent because they they didn't you know fail to complete that many sets in that period. It was more that the Dragons were in the arm wrestle and the game was just grindy. So and he got subbed off for uh, Jordan Rankin about I'd say two thirds through the first half. And yeah, yeah, that would be that'd be about right. And and as you, as you pointed out. Most of his time on the field was when the game was pretty tight, so there weren't the opportunities. In there wasn't very much broken field play that was going on. There wasn't uh, a lot of territorial advantage that was heading Parramatta's way at that part of, at that time in the game. So, uh, look, I was I thought that he did his job admir- admirably at that in that part of the game. So, again, where that leads me to is I'm thinking. He's probably a good option to maybe even start the season in as fullback in Canterbury Cup. Whether yeah. he does that or whether they whether they put him back in Jersey Flag, I'm not sure. But I, I'd like to think that they are looking at uh, fullback in Canterbury Cup. I, I'd like to think that they're looking at Canterbury Cup for a few of these kids because while they could certainly make a, a formidable Jersey Flag team if they all drop back to that grade, um, the likes of Jacob Arthur and Sean Russell and Will Penasini. Um, and Charbel Tassipali and, and company, um, you know, I think it's in their best interest to be in Canterbury Cup. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Now let's get halves because there's a there's that's really where I I think there was the, that the game was set up was uh, through the work of Will Smith and and Jake Arthur for a large chunk of the game and then uh, carried on ad- admirably. I'm trying to use that word again uh, <laughs> by by uh, Rankin. Who, who was billed as a new recruit by the commentary team, um, forgetting that Jordan joined the Eels mid-season in 2020. Um, yeah, let, let's get into the halves, because there's still a few more backs we can discuss after. But um, the halves were very important to this game. We alluded to that when we were talking about the sort of macro view of the game and and how um, they they managed to sort of direct the Eels around the field and then capitalise on opportunities in red zone. And yeah, I think for Will Smith... He's been one of the guys that's had a, a sneaky good preseason. Oh, he's he's been actually outstanding in preseason, and I thought even through the preseason uh, opposed sessions that um, he's been he's been a good foil um, for he he's been playing. He's had moments where he's been playing alongside Mitch Moses, as well as alongside um, Jake Arthur. And so switching from being a, like a, a truly dominant partner in Moses, you'd say, to a younger guy where you've got to try and balance the responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, and I think he, I think he was a, a great foil for um, uh, Jake tonight yeah. because he. There were moments where he took on a, a playmaker role as well, and uh, and did that did that very well. And of course, he's got that very sharp turn of speed, which. Saw him uh, set up a try and, and score one uh, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, look, I was one of his. Um, look, I I thought he had a great end to the year when he was brought into the Eels team. He did uh, in uh, in twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, there was um, yeah, 
maybe there were people that I don't think gave him enough credit for what he was able to, to produce, considering that he'd sat on the sidelines for nearly an entire season. And just came into a team looking to shore up its spot in the finals in the top four. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we could have asked him to do any more last year. So I was glad when he put pen to paper just before the preseason started, just to confirm that he was going to be running around for the uh, Eels again, because I think he's a valuable utility. And just like every year so far, there's been times where they've needed to call on him. So, um, and he's he's certainly not um, giving any indication that um, he won't be ready this season. He's, he, uh, yeah. Outstanding, outstanding preseason. And I, I think with and the benefit of, of helping lead a young Canterbury Cup team around the park, he might be even better off for it. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jake Arthur, yeah, thought performance tonight would have been a lot of pressure on the young man. You know, bearing the the weight of that surname at the Parramatta Eels, the commentators certainly you know made sure everyone knew it was Brad Arthur's son. And I imagine that the the players and the Dragons would have you know given him a bit of lip for it too. But uh, he did his job. And, and I say that positively because in the first half, he kicked really nicely um, when we got into the red zone. There was a couple of spots where he nearly set Kamalafi up for a try down the right of a perfectly weighted bomb. Um, yep. and he, he marshaled the left edge really nicely. And then in the second half, he uh, really started to take on the line comfortably. And that's why we saw Oregon Cavusi score because that little outside inside show to the outside pass was executed beautifully and held up the defensive line uh, just enough for Cavusi to crash through. So really good stuff from Jake. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously got room to improve. Every young player has. But I thought that he played pretty well for all three phases of the game. And like the he produced an error, I suppose he produced an error when it, um, he passed the Makatoa on the... There was one moment where we got a six again and then there was sort of some confusion because the ball came out really slow and then he passed the Makatoa and Makatoa dropped it. Um, that, you know, you can probably put down against the young half's name. But yeah, I really liked what I saw. Um, defended willingly, that's never been an issue for him, um, and you know, he played big minutes. There, there was even a moment where, in the first half, which I, I liked because he made a bad mistake. He kicked in for a grubber kick down the left edge, and it, it was the last tackle, so he had the kick, but it, the kick itself was a bad selection because it was too shallow, got scooped up in line, and I think it might have been the half of the Dragons made a, a break 30 metres down the field, and Jake rectified that by being the player to gun him down from behind. And that's what Wasn't it that um, the fullback? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, the... Uh, they're really fast. Yes, um, uh, Charlie, not 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 Runciman. Now, what's his name? No, no. Um, it was the fellow who made his debut, and he, he scored a bunch of tries. And the NRL, Cody Cody Ramsey, Cody Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, well, and you, you like to see that because making a mistake is fine, but you got to go up and fix it if you're going to make a mistake, and that's what he did. Well, anyone who maybe had question marks is is Jacob. Arthur fast enough. They when they saw him uh, run the fullback down there after that that error, I think that and I, I, the I, there was actually in in the sort of where I was watching the game and discussing online, there was actually that came up was like, is Jake fast enough to play in this? And I think that in terms of straight line speed and open field, he's definitely fast enough. And I think that in terms of playmaking speed, once he he has more confidence in himself to control the team, and he makes he. he it's not like he's he's you know slow about it, but the faster he becomes at making those playmaking decisions ahead of a line, and the faster you are to plant that foot or to pass the ball, the faster your game becomes as to spectators too, and that yeah. just comes with experience. So I, I thought he did a very good job. Really nice to set up a try, 
And one, and I was just going to say, just on that point, one of the things, if someone's a playmaker, one of the things that they can be very deceptive with, and the crowd doesn't often pick it up, is that they're playing it at their pace. And the pace that they're playing, it, it might even be fast, but it's they, they're selling it differently, if, if that makes sense to you. So they're, they're, they're getting the opposition to play. Uh, well, they're able to play at the pace they want to play at. They're able to dictate that. And I thought tonight with his play that, um, look, Jake Arthur's a work in progress. Make no mistakes about that. He's, he's, he's nowhere near the finished product that he'll need to be. However, um, I think the commentators started to pick up how well he digs into the line. Yeah, and that's something that Andrew Johnson's always emphasised in both commentary and I think in his capacity as a, a specialist coach at the Eels is, you know, the best halves attack the line by digging in and, and forcing the defence to have to make decisions earlier in the defensive structures to give your guys out wide more room to operate in. Yeah, so I was I was quite pleased with Jake Hart. There was I got no surprises with his kicking game with the No, he's always been very polished in, in all three phases of the game as a playmaker, but especially his kicking game, which has always been ahead of his age group. And the other part which which also didn't surprise me, but I think it's a great indicator of uh, that he's on the right path is his capacity to take the collisions because he cops some late shots in going to the line. He got, he got rocked on that try assist to Kafusi, but he just bounced yeah, back yeah. up off the ground. And look, I probably shouldn't call them late shots because I think they were quite legitimate. If you yeah. take the ball into the line, you're going to have to wear the, the contact that comes with it. And he doesn't shy away from that. And people have said, oh, look, is he, uh, does he have the size to play NRL? And by size, I don't mean obviously height. I'm talking about his body type. And I would suggest to you, because I think he's, he's weighing in at about 80 or 81 kilos, something like that at the moment, that that's probably not the size that he wants to be. He probably wants to be maybe another five or six kilos heavier to play uh, regular NRL. However, he's got the constitution to take the knocks. There's no doubt about that. So he's, he's tracking nicely. Um, now, we should probably get on to some of the, the backs that got onto the field that didn't start the game. Um, yeah, well, what, starting starting with the them? injury to Michael Oldfield, we saw big Matthew Komalafi come onto the, the flank. And, yeah, once again, we talk about, you know, gamers and not trainers, and I think that Matty did himself no harm today. It was really good to see him get onto the field, make some good carries. Um, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, well, it wasn't semi-redrider out there in the middle because, <laughs> to be fair, no other winger is, but he was making good metres. And um and more importantly, there was some you know intelligent defensive decision making. He saved the try uh, in the second half when there was a grubber kick down his edge, and he managed to get back and and secure the ball for a line dropout. Yeah, so I really liked what I saw from Matty. Yeah, one of the and I, it's interesting you're bringing up that there's some blokes who are gamers, not trainers, and what we've seen through following uh, Matty through the pathways is that he reads the game well. So he just seems to make good decisions uh, in a match, whether it be attack or defense. Yeah. And that's and, been a, a case for his junior career. He's always struck us as a, a like, relative to his position, a, a very intelligent player of the game. Um, and, and wingers are so often just, you know, athletic freaks in the junior reps, but he's always been a sound decision maker. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jordan Rankin. Yeah, um, really, really happy for what I saw from Rankin. Um, you know, a guy that can play fullback 5'8", and in a pinch can fill out in the back line. Um, yeah, they, they played him at um, fullback initially, replacing Sean Russell, and then he stepped up into the halves in the second half. Um, he was very good. Just, you know, ran the ship really tidily, kicked long nicely. Um, you know, he sort of turned the Dragons around multiple times, had a very good short kicking game in the second half alongside Jake Arthur as well, uh, forced some line dropouts. Like, not much more you can ask from a guy that's meant to be a utility, you know, sort of uh, stopgap for you. Yeah. I, again, it's very similar to what we spoke about with Makatoa, that if you've got a lot of young players around you, then you need someone in the Canterbury Cup who is going to be that experienced player, the, the calm head, um, the tough nut that can uh, help guide the team. And then if you've got a scenario where you're down in players in the NRL, if you know you've got someone who's an experienced NRL campaigner who knows what he's supposed to do, being able to call on someone like that um, for short term. Yeah, it's important to fall because it gives your Canterbury Cup team a core to build around and it gives your NRL squad a guy you can rely to call upon. So, yeah, really happy for what I saw from him today. Um, the goal kicking was just a cherry on the on the top of it. You know, five from six and the... The one miss was from not out wide wide, but it was, you know, 10 metres in from the sideline and just hit the post. So, yeah, really happy for what Rankin produced. Yeah, and we and we saw um, Josh Tuipalutu, uh being able to make an appearance. And apart from the uh, one standout dropped ball, um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Josh is a player that... I, he, he is immensely talented, and we saw him in that SG ball season where he won player of the, the tournament um, and you know, was going to be man the match in the SG ball grand final until he was taken out, unfortunately, contesting a high ball um, against Manly. I think no, that was Harold Matthews. Oh, sorry, Harold Matthews, you're right. Yeah, sorry, again, Mike. Yeah. But um, he, he is immensely talented, a fantastic athlete. And it's just a – he just had a, an unfortunate last couple of seasons um, uh, in terms of, you know, obviously COVID in 2020 – um, and just hasn't been able to string the football together that he, he needs to to be at the peak of his powers. So it's just 2021 is about getting him on the park. Um, I think that he's going to be really like a really good uh, player in the jersey flag. And yeah, today we got to see him uh, you know, run the ball a bit and not, not so much in the open field where he's so dynamic because he's a, a fantastic mover of the ball in hand. And yeah, so I think that Josh is a player that his best is very much ahead of him. And um, so... Yeah, I- I saw him um, score a couple of tries in an opposed session playing out on the wing and um, uh, he, he put on a beautiful in and away to, to score one of those tries. It, it, he's so, it he's so fluid, work. isn't he? Like he just... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah. it's so comfortable, so easy with the ball in hand and that's why I'm, I'm so, you know, hyped up about his talents but I just want to see him, you know, have a chance to play some footy because that, that has been the big... It's not even a knock... You know, that, that's so unfair to say, like, phrase it that way. It's not a knock on him. He just hasn't had the opportunity to play football lately. So yeah. I think that 2021 will be huge for him. Um, the other player that probably, you know, starred, got on the scorer sheet, had a couple of good runs, um, big Solomon Naiduki. Played out in the left edge, as as all Fijian wingers must at Parramatta. They're all left edge wingers. Um, went out there, scored a try off a nice pass from Tao Mata'afa, um, who he picked up late in the preseason. Um, and, yeah, and he had some good carries through the middle. He's a big unit, though, isn't he, Solomone? He He's not too dissimilar in build 
to uh, Mike Asiva. Yeah. Sometimes when you see them uh, from a distance end on, uh, I'm sort of looking and thinking, uh, is that, especially if he's, he's, his alimony's actually taken a couple of times to wearing the old the t shirt around the head in um, <laughs> semi rad yep. style, which the Durag style. Mike yeah. has done Mike has done a couple of times in the past, and then when you see them from a distance and they've they've got the t shirt around the head, you think, hang on, who is that? Is that Micah? Oh no, no, it's Solomoni. So um, to me, he's I wouldn't say that he's a clone of Micah. I don't think he's um, quite got the same pace as Micah when Micah's at top pace but he's he's a prospect and again uh, another one that went well in the game scenario so um, and yeah, I, I think the most encouraging thing across these all well, these backline prospects that we're talking about tonight is that defensively they were you know they knew their assignments they were in position they made their reads they made their jams and the, the times that they were half beaten and I referenced Naiduki here in midfield there was one point where his opposite sort of half fend him away. Naduki came was like just on him like a, a jackal straight away. He just got back on him and dropped him to the ground. So yeah. that's that's what you, you want to see. You want guys to be hungry. You want them to to know what their assignment is, to what the structures are defensively and offensively, and to go out there and, and execute. Yeah. Now we picked up some uh late signings that will have uh Canterbury Cup contracts. Uh any any comments on the uh, the fellows that uh were Got a run in tonight's game in the second half. So we saw, we mentioned before, but number 20, Toa Mata Arfa, is a fullback that I believe comes to us by way of Canterbury. Um, I've I mean, I probably seen him play in the junior reps in the Jersey flag in years past, but because he's not, he wasn't Neil at the time, I wasn't really paying attention. He did have a nice pass to set up the uh, the Naiduki try, though. Um, one of the 20, <laughs> there was like three 21s. The, the initial 21 was Ellie Elzakaham, who was a, a former Parramatta junior that left the club and has come back recently, which is good to see. Um, and then you saw uh, there's Noel Akafalau out there um, who got a brief run the last, which is um, last few minutes, which is good to see because Noel, a bit like Charbel, had some bad luck of injuries recently. Um, comes from a, a line of Parramatta juniors in the Akafalau family from Eric and Dane before him that have all sort of had talent and, and through injury and bad luck in Eric's case. And then, you know, Dane didn't quite just, you know, perhaps have the drive to go on to an NRL career. They've all been very talented though, so good to see Noel back. Um, the the guy that had the Carl Drogo ponytail was Charlton Schaffhausen. And he was another one last year that we were sort of um, pointed out to us saying, watch this guy, he's going to have a big year. And then obviously everything went to shit after that. So um, I'm interested to see what Charlton can do. Cause he's, Sorry, he went to, went to Schaff. Went to Schaffhausen, yeah, everything went to Schaff. Uh, but yeah, um, yes. Uh, hopefully everything is uh, is goes for Schaffhausen instead of going to Schaffhausen um, in 2021. <laughs> Because um, he is a big unit for a winger. Um, he he was pointed out to us, like I said, last year in the trials um, that not the the South Sydney North Sydney Bears team that we played, um, and uh, looked really good. And, and then unfortunately, we didn't get much more of a look at him. So encouraged to see him. But the he didn't play today. At least I didn't see him play. But the big surprise in the team list was Tim Lafay. The Eels going out and picking up some depth at centre um, as. As currently structured for his contract, he can't play for the Eels until round 11. But, you know, a top 30 upgrade is always, you know, just one signature away. And Lafay's had some good footing in him. He's only turning 30 this year, so he's not exactly past his best. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how, um, whether he'll get a run in next 
Saturday's trials against the Penrith Panthers because there's three grades of trials uh, Saturday week, sorry. Um, so yeah, let's see if he's named in one of those. Um, so overall impression, mate, of tonight? Yeah, you take away the Michael Oldfield injury, and I, I presume there's no other serious injuries coming out of the game, um, unless something happened to Sean Russell, which is why he didn't play extra minutes. I don't know. Um, very, very happy. That That's as good as a trial, as good as a first-up trial as you can get, considering how yeah. many young guys you're playing in key positions, Considering that the Dragons weren't playing, uh, I mean, they had their own sort of futures team in there, but they had, you know, the Jack Birds, the Tarek Sims, the uh, uh, McCullough from Brisbane who joined them this year. So like, they, they had plenty of, like, seasoned NRL talent there alongside their own outstanding prospects, and the Eels just took their lunch money. Yeah, and what we've seen, too, in uh, recent preseason trials with that first one, which is uh, pretty much... a you know, that mixture of Canterbury Cup and uh, lower gra- and, and Jersey flag and a scattering of NRL players, is we've seen Parramatta do well in the start of those games and then as the less experienced That's players... That's right, board, the, the, the fade comes and the opposition starts eating yeah. up the scoreboard. And I think yeah. that speaks to the fitness levels and and the, the understanding of the structures from all the young guys and the fringe talents. Everyone knew their jobs, everyone was fit enough to do their jobs... And that's why they ran away with the game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was pleased. I was certainly pleased from that perspective. And uh, my overall take with that is I'm I'm pleased with seeing these young players who I'd judged as having a very good preseason actually being... But, you know, I prefaced that, and I wrote it up in the training report today, that I'm judging them against their fellow squad members. So I wanted yeah. to see them up against players from a different team. And albeit that you got, uh, you know, a similar mix from the St. George team in terms of less experienced players, et cetera, et cetera. But they're up against different players and there's pros and cons with that. Um, and the I think the most pleasing thing is that they performed outstandingly against a different group and maybe... There's been times where, in my head, I've I might have judged them more harshly in the preseason at at Parramatta, where I might have expected them, you know, some of the young ones to maybe, I don't know, I don't know if I look, was looking for them to stand out a little bit more, but um, you know, there was there was moments where I'd think to myself, oh yeah, they're going okay, they're not, they're not too bad, but tonight I thought against an opposition, a different opposition. You know, they've 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 really um, benefited in a major way, not a little. Well, way, I think but in that a major there is a number of pre-season. there's some obvious talents. You talk about the Will Penasinis and, and even Jake Arthur, that guys that were always you know sort of slated and slated to be you know an NRL prospect, and they went out and, and did themselves no harm there. You know, Will Penasini. I think there's going to be Daily Telegraph headlines talking about you know Eel Centre of the Future and. Is there going to be a controversy for round one for the, the centre spot with, you know, young Penasini needing to be picked and blah, blah, blah. But it's the guys like Komalafi and Caleb Toey and Shabel Tassapali, you know, the the sort of the fringe guys that really benefit from stuff like this. And it's it's so cool to see him go out and perform and, you know, and it's not like the club wouldn't be taking notice, but, you know, put something on tape for the club to say, okay, we've got something here. You know, we're going to put you in Canterbury Cup and you're going to get a shot. And if you're good enough, when the opportunity comes knocking midway through the season... You might get the call. 
Yeah. So I think it's I think what we saw tonight as a final take is that the young ones can probably take the collisions and the impacts that they would get at, at a Canterbury Cup level because that's really the next big step for them. They're playing against older blokes, not an age team. Can they take the impact at that level? So we saw tonight, yeah, at, at first first look is yes. Obviously, it's different over the course of a season when you start to string a number of matches, one on top of the other, getting a knock, dealing with the knocks the next week, the week after, the week after that. That's a whole different kettle of fish once you start to talk about drawing it out across a season. The Another positive is that those that aren't play put into Canterbury Cup are going to go back and strengthen the uh, Jersey flag. And Jersey flag lost 24-0 tonight in their trial. And bearing in mind how many Jersey flag eligible players were running around in the main trial for Parramatta tonight, um, I think we can safely say that they're going to be strengthened somewhat once um, the the teams are finalised going into the first round. So, um, yeah, a lot of positives to take out of tonight. We don't get carried away. We just take some positives out. No, trial um, football is fun to have as, um, you know, a precursor to the main event in, in just under a month now. But, you know... In the end, you're not playing for the real bickies, you're not playing for the real the real competition points. So as much as you can take positives out of it, you also need to temper your expectations. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that, um, that talk about the Jersey flag result does tie us in nicely to a quick wrap-up of the junior reps. You want to get into that, mate? Yeah, that'd be great, mate, because we've got a couple of wins from the junior rep last weekend. So let's start off with the Harold Matthews, who enjoyed a very good win over the North Sydney Bears in torrential rain yeah, we, water conditions. We made the uh, expedition out to Macquarie University and it was uh, interesting because it, uh, I don't know if they like it's like cut into the side of a hill, that field. It looks like it was like some sort of quarry-esque thing because there's like cut rock on the other side. But it's like a, a giant bowl and we were there and it was wet. It was yeah. very, very wet. And that's what made this result all the more impressive as the Parramatta Eels ran out to 34 to six victors over the North Sydney bears. Um, they played sensational wet weather football um, for the Eels. You had miles Martin, Saxon Pryke, Declan Murray, uh, Dominic Destratus, and then a double to Patrick Spence in the try scorers column. Um, impressively, Ethan Sanders was five from six from the kicking tee. Um, and for the bears, you had Christian Lalini and um, scoring with Jack I Dixon Davis converting uh, to round out that scorer sheet. But yeah, they played so so well structured in the wet. I was really impressed. Considering what we witnessed the week before was a completion rate, which at just over 50% probably flattered them in their loss against the Manly Sea Eagles. And you had to have to say that it was the completion rate that was the reason for their loss against the Sea Eagles. So the condition, the wet weather footy that they played was sensational, uh, really good, kicking game from Sanders. Yeah, he, he sort of was kicking early in the sets, drilling it low to get that skid on off the wet ground. Um, you know, the that was great game management from him. I think that Patrick Spence at the fullback had a really nice uh, impact on the game. That try that he set up with uh, uh, Sanders on that outside-inside play late in the game was just gorgeous. Um, that would have been a great try in dry weather, but to do that in the conditions that they were playing in just speaks volumes to the talent of those two, which is very cool. Yeah, I like the way Spence really attacks the football, attacks the line when he's carrying the ball. There's you 
you have no questions about how he's about to um, attack it. He, like, he's, he is he runs with intent. He absolutely yeah. runs with intent. So um, and speaking of yeah, intent, pretty- it was good to see Miles Martin take the loss last week. Personally, um, he fired up for this game big time. Yeah, yeah, very, very strong performer through the middle. I, I, look, you really can't fault um, any player out on the team, and and there's a lot of favourite plays that they've got through the middle of the field in the uh, junior reps, and uh, Miles Martin certainly capitalised on that with the first try of the match, and um, yeah, it just continued on from there. It was it was almost like um, uh, you you could see that the team was. Um, building in their performance through the game, but yet the tries seemed to come at, at a nicely spaced out intervals. Yeah, it was it was like um uh well they they what was it, eighteen points in the first half, sixteen points in the second half. So it, it was it just seemed like a very controlled Yeah, it didn't let the foot off the throat the throughout, through. the, throughout the course of the game. Um yeah, and just you know, lots of highlights for yeah yeah Yachi controlled the ruck really nicely. Dom Destratus had another sensational solo try. Um, he went rampaging from like thirty meters out. Yeah, sensational. And then, um, even off the bench, you had Cooper Sinclair get his first big minutes of the season, and he had a couple of good touches. He set up that try for uh, Dom Destratus of a good run and offload. And um, you know, big Jacob John, the interchange prop, had a a huge cover tackle where he he gunned down a winger from like thirty or forty meters out. So you love to see those big men making those big plays. And yeah, it was a, a fantastic. It was like. The remedy game they needed after last week against Manly, where they you know coughed up too much ball, couldn't execute. Um, defensive structures were exposed due to um, you know sort of offloads and, and second phase play, and they bounced back against the Bears and you know and just took them to the cleaners. Mate, I'm becoming uh, quite a fan of the uh, of the uh, the big the big fellas that are um, making their presence felt in the Harold Mats. Um, Big Sam, who starts the game. Yeah, Big and, Sam Tuavati. Uh, yeah, and uh, and Jacob, Jacob John. Yeah, he's... Jacob John has been because Tuavati was one to me that really jumped out in the trials. But yeah. Jacob John, the first two weeks, even against Manly, I thought he was very good. Um, you know, big solid unit, good work rate, and it's the it's the stuff that he does off the ball that's been really impressive. Like I said earlier, he made a big cover tackle in this game against the Bears, and those sort of efforts from big men really stand out. Um, when it, when a guy shows willingness to go after the ball when it's not in possession, um, that that shows you that it's a player that's got you know perhaps the drive needed to succeed further on. Yeah, and uh, conversely, the uh, SG ball had us sitting <sighs> on the edge of the seat for much of much of their match <sighs> against Mercy. this game. This one took years off our lives, mate. This was, I mean, this is the sort of definition of you know. At the end of the season, you, know, you don't care how you get your wins, you know, because you get to the finals. Um, when the Eels look back and see twenty four twenty two over the Bears, they're going to say, "Yeah, we got the two points there." Let's not talk about anything else because this game well, was rough. I'm I'm going to give them credit because I thought their best fifteen to twenty minutes of the match. Yeah, it was the championship minutes. It was where when it counted. Yeah, that was at the end of the game. It was almost like. Where has this disciplined wet weather football been for most of the match? Because when they got into those championship minutes, all of a sudden you saw the the um, the intelligent play, the great kicking game, the um, control of possession, completion of sets, 
Um, yep. Good. They, good they just flicked the switch. Field position. The 40 20 that uh, Josh Chappell kicked that turned out to be quite significant in the game. It was all, that was all there at the time of the game where they needed to win the match. So I, that could well be a turning point because in those last 15, 20 minutes, I saw the same sort of football as what they play during the trial yeah. where they followed the coach's instructions to the tee and it all clicked for them. So just to run through the score sheet quickly, uh, for the Bears, Kobe Poaching, Max Sedgman, Kobe Bone. So I got two Kobe's, that's interesting. Um, Samuel Woolett were the scorers. Michael Farrow was two from four for the try conversions and added a penalty goal, uh, one from one in that regard. For the Eels, Totona Jr. Wright opened a scoring, uh, followed by Gabriel Kalachi, Tyrone Sow, and Peter Tatio with the game-winning try. Josh Chappell, um, much like Ethan Sanders, full credit to this young man in very difficult conditions. It was actually raining sideways during the SG ball. He was four from four, including a number of conversions from out wide. Um, so that obviously been the difference in the game there, um, the kicking tee. So, you know, well done to Josh. And I, looking at that score sheet, it just makes me recall that the the turning point in this game was probably that Tyrone Sow try. Uh, when, excuse me, I've got a, a puppy that's fired up. Um, when uh, the Eels were deep inside their red zone, uh, you saw Jabriel Kalachi take a hit up down the right. And he had the chance to just pass clean to Tyrone Sow. Um, but he double pumped, took contact and then offloaded. And, and Sow went what, 80 metres downfield. Um, weaving through defenders, and we thought for all money he was going to get gunned down like last week against Manly, but um, from our vantage point, it was not the um, the ideal angle, and it turns out he managed to score. So that was huge, just against the run of play, and it sort of got the Eels back into the contest, I thought. Yeah, it was that was a very big moment, and uh, like you, I thought oh, he's, that Kalashi had overplayed his hand a bit, but as it turned out, it was it took the a couple of defend, key defenders out and um, put Sal on the run and on his run. And um, yeah, that the last 10 metres where it looked like he was just going to be grabbed and held up, perhaps the conditions helped a little bit there because... Yeah, um, give him the, the ability to slide over from a yeah, little bit further yeah. out. But yeah, yeah that, that was really good. And he slammed, slammed that ball down and um, they've had... I think that was one of the tries that was on the highlights package that was uh, put up on the Eels website um, and, following last weekend. So, And I think it was fitting that Peter Tatio scores the match winner, um, heart and soul of the team, captain, lock forward, um, involved in everything through the middle. And you know when the game was there to be won, they went to their number one player and he just punched through the guts to score under the post. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, uh, yeah, as you said, it was, it was hard in the mouth, edge of the seat stuff. But um, it's they got the two points, and now they get to rest the bruises for a week. Yeah, buys, buys for Harold Mason. Yeah. Um, now, just before we get on to previewing the Marsha Gale match for this week, um, just quickly on the uh, Tasha Gale performance from last week, as our, our TCT regulars are aware, it's only going to work out to probably being one Tasha Gale match that we'll be able to cover in person because we're uh, going where we have the majority of the matches at um, at home matches this season and um, uh, there's two occasions where we get all three grades and we'll be providing the full coverage of the Tasha Gale matches on those days. Um, so we're able to give you a bit of a, an update after uh, Ryan Walker, the coach of the Tasha Gale girls, kindly 
um, speaks with me um, immediately after the game and gives me a bit of a rundown on on the performance. Um, that a, a, a tough game against um, Newcastle, losing twenty four to nil. Uh, Newcastle, very very strong team, and um, they got a run on in the back end of the first half. Newcastle got four tries, got out to eighteen nil, and scored pretty much in the first minute of the second half to take it out to 24 nil. Ryan was really pleased with how these team responded from there because he said that they, they really rolled the sleeves up and at a, a time where maybe they could have their heads down about how the match had unfolded against such a strong team. They, they actually um, probably produced some of their better football and were unlucky not to score some tries. They've got a number of girls in the team who've um, come through uh, from the Penrith team, because Penrith aren't submitting a Tasha Gale team this year, so they've got they got a couple of girls in the in the team from Penrith. There's a lot of there are a number of newcomers in the team, and uh, he's he's confident that as they start to get used to playing together and the combinations develop, that uh, they're going to get some good results this year. So um, my thanks to Ryan for being able to talk me through. How the how the game unfolded. I think we saw some uh, the one try that was highlighted from their first round loss to the West Tigers, um, where uh, Lorene the half uh, the five uh, eight uh, showed a, a, an extraordinary amount of skill with the um, deception for the pass to the outside and then slicing through for a solo try there. So they've got some talent in the team. It's just a matter of um, the combinations. And not just in attack, but in defence as well, because the communication and knowing what the player next year is going to do, that comes with a bit of time together. And um, yeah, so uh, let's wish them well in their match this week, which is against uh, the St George Dragons at uh, Mascot Oval, I believe it is, mate. Yes. Um, so, well, I'll try and get out there, but I don't know if I can get out the mascot, but. Um... We'll, we'll see, but um, no promises this week. Like you said, we tend to go where the majority of the games are because it's a an efficient allocation of time and, and mascots. not a comfortable trip for any of us, I don't think. It's a very awkward spot to get to for football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so um, you've got the team. Yeah, so uh, Eels up against the Dragons this week. If I just quickly check the ladder um, in the Tasha Gale, the Dragons are... Uh, have played one game and they lost that game. So they must have had a bye in the other week. And for that team list, uh, we've got a few ins for the Eels. Uh, listed as ins on NSWRL are Chelsea Austin, Daniil Keller, Lucy Whitehead, Quinn McEvy, with Hannah McFadden being the sole out. So they've obviously gone for an extended bench here. Yeah, they've got a heavy extended bench, that's why. So uh, from uh, one and down, we've got Demia Pritchard at fullback, uh, Tamira Liardi on one wing, and uh, Daniel Keller on the other. Uh, Talisha Pugh and Jacinta Tui are still the centres, as we've seen in the first two weeks. In the halves, you've got Lorene Lormanuve uh, and Jada Tuovae. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, uh, so Jada has played number nine, and she's listed at halfback here, despite the number nine, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, in the forwards, you've got Marfa Fua, Christian Corfawn, and Lasalio Sita Payne in the front row. Uh, back row reads is Lilani Tua, Sama Tarare, and Ruby Jean Kennard. Uh, on the bench, you've got Amana, Amina Kanj, sorry, Catalina Vave, Summer Brown, Taimani Kolomaka, and that uh, extended, extended bench, because we've only carried one or two girls in the first two weeks, but they've gone for four girls this week. 
uh, Chelsea Austin, Lucy Whitehead, Rosalia Leah, and Quinn McAvey. McAvey, sorry. Yeah, so um, they've got, um, I suppose there's both teams will be looking to get on the... Um, to start the their win, campaigns, win yeah. yeah. So the, yeah. Drag, the Dragons also lost the Knights in round one, uh, 10-4 in this game. So, um, it, yeah, I don't think you can take uh, transitive properties from games like that and say just because they scored against the Knights, they're going to beat Parramatta. Um, this is a great opportunity for the girls to get their campaign kick-started and, and, you know, and look to build towards the finals for a good win on Saturday. Yeah, we, uh, we wish them well for, with that. And, um, and, mate, if you don't get out there, we know we've got um, uh, Ryan's more than happy to uh, speak with us about the, uh, about the performance in that game. So, um, yeah, stay tuned with uh, TCT because we will give you a bit of a rundown on uh, how the girls performed. That's it, mate. And now you can tell we're pretty pumped up to talk footy because it's just one senior result this week and it's not even an actual competition result. It's just a trial and um, three game, three junior representative games to, to review and just one junior rep game to preview and we're still gone for over 70 minutes. So we're probably due to wrap this up pretty quickly. Otherwise, going to put some people to sleep. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, we'll catch you guys next week on the tip sheet. Thanks for stopping by. See ya.